Morning, everyone. We are going to dive into the next part of Philippians. So we're in Philippians chapter 2 this morning. I'm going to start reading um, from verse 19. So it says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So this is a bit of a funny part of the letter. I don't know about you, but um, when I was kind of realized this was the, the chunk I was speaking on this morning, I was like, what do we what do we do with parts of the epistles like this, which feel to me a little bit like kind of news? They're a bit sort of chatty and it's very you know, specific people who knew each other. And, and it's, it's kind of like Paul is filling them in a little bit on the news. But what on earth does any of that mean to you and I, however many hundreds of years later? So I've been thinking about that. And um, one of the things I've been doing over the last couple of weeks is I have dug out from my loft um, a suitcase I have with loads of old letters and cards and things. And I've got in there a file um, with a pile of letters. I mean, it's literally this high. So when I was 18, before I went to university, I did a gap year and went and did a, a six-month um, discipleship training school with YWAM in Estonia. Um, and I am old enough that this was before the internet, um, before email. And so for the six months that I was there, um, I relied on letters from back home. And so I have a pile. So these, does anyone remember these aerograms that you could send? So my wonderful grandparents... Every two weeks, another one of these landed, and it was an absolute lifesaver. And I've got a pile of letters from them, from my mum, from my dad, from my sisters. Um, and reading back through them over these last couple of weeks, it's been wonderful. It's been hilarious. I've got letters from my little sister, Ali, who at that point was 15, um, telling me about the latest top she's worn from, uh, bought from Bay Trading Company for the Sixth Form College Disco that week. And like, just it's just news. And my gramps always filled me in on how they cricket team doing, what's happening in the football. Every now and then there's there's parts in there um, from my grandparents where they're, like, they're praying for me and just sharing kind of just nuggets of their decades of following Jesus. And there's some points of real wisdom that if you were reading it, you'd be like, oh, that really is encouraging. That really speaks to me. But the vast majority of the content of these letters would mean nothing to you. It meant everything to me back then and still does now because it's like, this is family and I've got loads from my school friends and it's like, this is people I was doing life with and they were keeping me up to speed what was going on and it was news, but it kept me really connected. Um, and so really valuable to me, but for you reading that letter wouldn't read a, mean a whole lot. And I, I wonder whether we sometimes find bits of the epistles like this are like we're, you know, you will be reading in one of my letters from my time in Estonia. You don't really know the people it's talking about. You don't really know the situations. And so actually, is it relevant? So this was, that was kind of where I was mulling, thinking, well, how on earth am I going to unpack? What do I speak on? Um, but then as I was doing that, I was like, do you know what? 
I think that is the whole point, that it's, it was regular people just catching each other up on the news and sending greetings, and, greetings and, and filling each other in on what was happening. I was like, do you know what? That's the whole point of this kingdom life. Actually, it is, it's ordinary people caught up, you know, connected together and, and being part of this extraordinary story that God is writing on the earth. So actually, that's what these parts of the letters tell us. God is writing incredible things on the lives of ordinary people who were, who were just doing life together. And that's what these letters show us. And, you know, I think the danger is that we, we think of Paul and sort of Bible heroes and even these specific people who are mentioned in his letters. Um, you know, we somehow put them into a, a special category, you know, different and separate to us. You know, and yes, gosh, Paul had a dramatic conversion. You know, he has... He had some of the most profound revelation that, of course, speaks to us today. You know, he had a, a really specific and powerful calling to the Gentiles. But here's the thing, you know, the, the call of God on his life, the hope that he had, the inheritance that he was stewarding is the same for us. We have that same call. We have that same hope. We have that same inheritance. It, it gets worked out in different ways and we're supposed to show up in different situations. But, but it's there for all of us. I think that's why... Paul prays this in Ephesians 1 and verse 18 and 19 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Like he wants to pull us into saying, listen, the stuff that is on my life, the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm seeing, like you have that same call. It'll get worked out differently it'll look a bit differently but but it's the same we all have the this hope that we're called to this incredible inheritance we have it's the same right and I don't expect that you know Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus and you know in the other letters the different the other names that we read about the people who were just doing this journey together I don't think at the time um you know they thought they were going to be talked about and, and considered and, and read about centuries later. I don't think probably Paul even thought that at the time. Um, they were faithfully following Jesus, doing life together. And, and here's the thing, you know, our, our daily yes to Jesus, that we have no idea the effect that that had and how that ripples through the years, through the centuries. We just don't know. Now, this really came home to me at... Um, my granddad's funeral was my granddad who wrote to me every couple of weeks. And his funeral was, was just a really profound and encouraging you know, time. It was, he was well into his 90s. You know, faith, he'd, he'd lived well. And he absolutely, you know, that faithful, well done, good and faithful servant. It was, it was a real celebration of a life lived. And then at his funeral, one of his friends um, spoke and shared. And, and this is a guy who my granddad met at university um, and just through friendship and conversation, he led him to Jesus and, and discipled him in his early years. And so this 90-year-old guy at my granddad's funeral, um, he went on um, to, to be a vicar in the Anglican church and actually went overseas and was a bishop and oversaw um, churches and church planting, um, hundreds and hundreds of them in Africa. Um, and it, gosh, it made me realize, you know, look at what has happened in and through this man's life, you know, in part as a result of my granddad as a university student being a friend, sharing his faith, you know, leading him to Jesus and, and just doing that early discipleship. You know, decades later, look at the fruit of that life. 
And you and I, you know, we're missing it if we think, you know, there's certain people who are, are called to do those significant things. Because listen, God is doing amazing things in and through our lives and the connections and the friendships and the relationships that we have. You know, you and I, our, our daily, weekly, monthly, yes to Jesus. What does following you look like today, Jesus? It has an impact. And I think it ripples through years. And that's what encourages me about parts of the letters like this. Um, it's ordinary people caught up in an extraordinary story that God is still writing on the earth today. So these two particularly, Epaphroditus, Timothy, who were they? And we, we don't know a whole lot about Epaphroditus. We actually only meet him in, um, in Philippians. It's the only time he's mentioned. But he was from Philippi. And what seems to have happened is that um, Paul was in prison. And at that point, if you didn't have people providing for you, you wouldn't have eaten. So um, the Philippian church sent Epaphroditus with a gift, a financial gift, in order to, um, to look after Paul while he's in prison. But Clearly, while Epaphrodites was there, he got very sick, um, you know, even nearly died, but he's now well. And, and Paul's saying, hey, I'm going to send him back home to you. So that's what we know about him. Timothy, we know a bit more about. Um, you know, we meet him in Acts chapter 16, which I keep saying you, that's when Paul first goes to Philippi and the church is planted there. And he meets Timothy there. And, and Timothy is just, he's just kind of adopted in by Paul and he starts traveling with Paul and ministering with Paul and he actually goes to Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus and he, Timothy visited Philippi more than once actually so that he would have been familiar to them um, and he's actually if you remember he's named as the co-author of this letter to the Philippian church it's from Paul and Timothy and there's actually five other letters um, in the New Testament where Paul lists Timothy right he's sending greetings from him as well and and of course there are two books in the bible 1 Timothy 2 Timothy those are letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and he became you know Paul's spiritual son he calls him he refers to him his true son in the faith you know he had a a deep relationship with him. He was someone that Paul was really pouring into and mentoring him, you know, seeing him raised up as a leader in the early church. So that's who these two guys own. And listen, it tells us this. Even someone like Paul, who we can put on a pedestal, you know, this amazing conversion, incredible revelation, you know, unique calling. Even Paul needed other people in his life. Ministry does not happen on its own. You know, there, there should be no lone wolves in kingdom work. And listen, just to be really clear, all work is kingdom work. It's not just those people working in the church, whether you're in, in finance or in education or you work in retail. All kingdom work needs to be done with people. Ministry does not happen on its own. Even someone like Paul, and he, you know, he clearly has you know, a deep connection and affection with the church in Philippi, you know, and clearly really connected to Timothy and Epaphrodites. I, mean, I love the fact that he says, listen, it wasn't just that God had mercy on Epaphrodites that he survived, but actually on Paul, because Paul's like, actually, I would have been so grieved if he had died. And he, Paul was deeply connected and committed to, to walking out his journey, his kingdom mission um, with people. It's not, we don't get to do it on our own. Um, you know, what Paul clearly found in these two people specifically. Um, it's interesting. So he says, um, he refers to Epaphroditus as my brother, my co-worker, and my fellow soldier. So listen, to me, that tells me something that actually, you know what? Living in the kingdom, kind of walking in the ways of Jesus, I am going to need family. So he talks about Epaphroditus as a brother. I need family. I need relationship. I need connection. I need brothers and sisters. And, you know, the church is family. 
Actually, it's, it, there's work to be done. He calls him my co-worker, someone who is, I need people who I'm going to put my shoulder to the task with. We're going to encourage one another. We're going we're gonna to share the load. We're going we're gonna to work together, right? Because we live in a kingdom where we are gifted by grace, our salvation. But it, like we looked at last week, it has to get worked out. There is work to be done, and we get to do that together with people. So he calls Epaphroditus my co-worker. The other thing he refers to him as is a fellow soldier. Um, So we need to acknowledge, listen, it is a fight, right? There is a time where we have to actually fight in the kingdom. Um, And again, we don't fight on our own or in isolation. We do that with brothers and sisters in arms who actually are going to fight with us, and at times are going to fight for us. You know, this had a beautiful example of this, just... Um, a couple of months before Christmas, and you know, those of you who know, we you know, we've finally bought our church building, and we're in the process of refurbishing it. But it's been a long journey, and it's been an absolute roller coaster. So, um, before Christmas in autumn, we'd um, we'd been moving ahead with the purchase of this building, and it had not been smooth sailing. It'd been really up and down. Um, and then we got to this week where it basically it all unravelled, and the the owner, um, the then owner of the building, um, basically <coughs> pulled out and said. No, we're done. Um, he, he said, actually, our solicitor hadn't got something to him that he should have done. And he, and he said, so as a result, sales off. And this was like end of the day on a Friday. And so Phil came home and was like, I think it's, I think it's off. I think we've lost the sale. And I can't tell you the, just the weight of disappointment I felt. I, I physically just absolutely wiped me out. I was just so discouraged. I was like, gosh, you know, another dead end, surely not another building that doesn't work out. It's just so, so deeply and profoundly discouraged. And so obviously we kind of, those of you on the prayer list, we got you guys to pray. And I, I texted a few friends um, to be saying, hey, please pray. And one of my friends particularly um, is a lady called Stacy, who leads another church in Manchester. And, and we gather kind of, some of us kind of women who are leading in Manchester, we kind of pray and keep each other kind of encouraged. Um, so I texted this group of people and said, guys, it looks like the building sails off. It looks like we've hit another dead end. And I just said, I'm so exhausted by this. Please pray. Um, we need a bit of a miracle for this to turn around. And it was interesting. Like, loads of people were like, oh, Sarah, I'm so sorry we're praying. The message I got back from Stacey was a game changer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a little bit of um, what she texted me. She said this, Sarah, I feel in my spirit as I'm praying for your church, fight the good fight of faith. And I hear myself cheering Vine Life on. Fight fight, fight, no surrender, no retreat. I'm believing your church is made strong in the battle, as it says in Hebrews 11. And then she quotes this verse from Hebrews. By faith, these people received what God had promised them. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight. And she said, if Hebrews was written today, it would probably say, by faith, Vine Life Church obtained a building that facilitated transformation and revival. And there, you know, it was a longer message than that, but that kind of the, some of just the key parts in it. I cannot tell you how that lifted my spirits. When I just, I was so discouraged. I had so little fight left in me. I don't think I had any faith at that point. Um, but her coming in and saying, I am fighting for you, it changed everything. And, and then she, um, actually a group of their church were in a season of fasting and praying. So she's like, right, Tell me where I need to be pointing my people at. And she had 70 of them praying and fasting and contending for our building. That's amazing. Like, that is a beautiful example of, I think, what Paul had found in Epaphroditus, my fellow soldier, someone who is going to fight with me and fight for me. And so we need those things. 
We need brothers and sisters because we need family and church's family. We need co-workers because there's stuff for us to do. And we need to be fellow soldiers because it is a fight at times. And Paul's affirmation of Timothy, you know, what he, he what I love, um, that what he highlights about Timothy is not that he was a great teacher, a great strategist, an incredible leader, but you know, he was a leader in the early church and he was called to teach and preach and all those other things. But the thing that Paul highlights about him is this, he says, verse 20, 21, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, actually, what, what a beautiful thing to be honoured as and to be marked out as is someone who deeply and genuinely cares about people, right? Forget you know, what you're good at, what your gifting is, you know, what your skill, or, like actually do I care? Do I have genuine concern and care for people? That's what um, Paul champions in Timothy and his, his implication is, you know, everyone else is looking for their own interests, not those of Jesus, but, but Timothy is different. It's almost like he's saying, if you remember the early part of Philippians chapter two, that Sam talked to us about, you know, Jesus as you know, the model citizen who didn't consider equality of, with God something to be grasped, but you, and not looking for his own interests, but became a servant. You know, what Paul is saying is Timothy lives that out. Like Timothy does that. He deeply is concerned and cares about people. And he, he is not looking for his own interests, but he is looking for the interests of Jesus and his people. Right. I love that. You know, I love that. And this is the thing we need to recognize, you know, for, for all the times when we need to work and we need to fight and we need to kind of go again. Actually, in any of the things that we do, if we don't have love, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't he? He's like, if we don't love, we're just making a racket or a symbol or a clanging gong. It's just noise. All the good stuff that we do, all the hard work that we do, it's just noise if we don't love people. Um, and, and so in that, actually, actually as me being a, a, a brother or a sister, you know, me being a co-worker, me being a, you know, somebody fighting with them, actually, do I do that marked by I have genuine concern and care for people, right? If I love God, I have to love people. If, I'm, you know, if I love and I'm connected to Jesus of the head of the church, I need to love and be connected to his body of the church. We need to love. And so Paul Paul has that and finds those things in these relationships with Epaphroditus and Timothy. And his relationship with them is, is clearly different. Like he's, Timothy is the standout relationship, I think, with Paul. You know, in terms of the depth of relationship, in terms of the, the, the intimacy and the intentionality of it. You know, someone he was pouring into, who is being a father to, teaching and training and mentoring and raising up and encouraging. Um, and, it, and it went the distance, right? So he's mentioned an awful lot. As far as we know, um, Epaphroditus, it, that wasn't so long-term. So it, you know, maybe he was only, he was sent as this messenger from Philippi with this financial gift from the church and he was there with him for a period of time and he, you know, he was encouraged by him and he did some work with him and, and then he went back again. Um, and so all, it almost looks to me like and that Epaphroditus was, was like a kind of, was that brotherly relationship, right? Someone who, who walked alongside to encourage, to support, to help, to serve, to do life together. And we need those kind of relationships. His relationship with Timothy was, was different and that it was more um, a father and a son relationship. Actually, 
where Paul was pouring into and Timothy was receiving from him. And so we, but we need those kind of relationships as well. You know, mothers and fathers pouring into sons and daughters. We, we need that. And that actually that I am pouring into somebody and that is part of actually me faithfully living out my calling and me actually stewarding the inheritance that I've got, right? If you think about it in sort of, human terms, financial terms, actually, you know, me being left an inheritance by my parents, like I didn't work for that, I didn't earn for that, they did the work, they earned it, and they stewarded it carefully and left that to me. And then I get to think, okay, what do I do with that? Like, actually, how do I steward this inheritance? You know, who do I give that to? And it's the same, you know, with our, with our lives and our calling. Actually, how, who am I pouring into? And know that as I do that, actually, that, that, the inheritance that I have, I leave a legacy that goes beyond my years, right? So, like, my grandparents are such a, a beautiful example of that. And actually, their, their life and example to me and my family and my sisters, their daily prayers for me and my sisters from the you know, moment they found out my mum was pregnant, every day they prayed for us and encouraged us and kind of shared with us. Actually, they have left a legacy that lives beyond their years now through me and, and then through my kids. And this is what we need to understand that actually both those kind of relationships are really valuable and really important. The sort of brother-sister relationships that make, you know, like an Epaphrodites, actually where we can, we can do life together, we can help one another, we can serve one another. But then, you know, relationships where it is more a mother and father pouring into a son and a daughter, we need both. And one of the things I, I guess I want to, this is, is a thought um, I've had is that I wonder whether sometimes we need to, yes, have a value for both of those kind of relationships, but I wonder whether sometimes we need to slightly lower the stakes a little bit and, and realize it's not necessarily or only going to be the way that that is through one specific person, right? You know, Paul and Timothy's relationship is really important. And I still believe that, you know, God connects us with those kind of relationships. But I think if rather than thinking maybe, you know, where is my Paul? You know, where is my Timothy? Maybe we just need to start being fatherly, being motherly, you know, being a good son, being a good daughter. Actually, who has God got me connected to? How can I pour into that person? How can I encourage that person? Because I don't know this, but I think I'm fairly sure when, when Paul and Timothy met, I don't think Paul probably thought, I have found the one. I have found the spiritual son. I think he probably saw someone with potential, saw someone there was a heart connection with, saw someone who was hungry to learn, and, and he started pouring into him. And it's as they did life together that it became this really significant relationship. So again, I'm not saying it isn't ever going to be one person, but sometimes it isn't. And sometimes it's you know, a certain person for a period of time and then situations change and then there might be someone else. But my, here's my encouragement to us. We need family relationships. We need to be good brothers and sisters to one another. But actually, I believe in those mother, father, son, daughter relationships. We all need people pouring into us, you know, calling out the good in us, encouraging us, kind of challenging us with the stuff that's not so great, pouring into us to leave a legacy through us. But actually, you know, we all need to be, we need to be open and to be hungry for those people. Like actually, so we look to who can I receive from? Who can I learn from? Um, so we, we need those relationships. And so my encouragement is, is as a star, is maybe focus on being a good brother and a sister. Maybe focus on being motherly, fatherly, you know, looking to pour yourself out for those gods connected to you. Actually seek out, be open to be helped, to be encouraged, to be challenged. Um, to be 
family together, to do the work together, to fight for one another when that's what's needed out of genuine love and genuine concern. That's what I learn from you know, Paul's kind of newsy chit-chat about Timothy and about Paphrodites. Actually, that we need those kind of relationships. So let's, let's believe for them and let's be intentional about building and stewarding and looking after those kind of relationships. Um, because I think this is part a really important way um, that actually we steward the inheritance, that we live out the call on our life. Actually, we leave a legacy. And so we, and actually that we think generationally, and we, we don't do that anymore, I don't think, in the West, in the UK. We, I, th I think we think very short term. We think, you know, fairly immediate. But actually, that wouldn't have been the Hebrew mindset. You know, Hebrews, I remember hearing someone talk once that even in... Um, in the Jewish context, how they think financially is they are thinking about their finances here and now, and they are thinking for three generations' time. Right? That isn't really how I think what often we do things, but, but I think we should. I think you and I should believe that actually my life makes a difference in the people that I'm connected with here and now, but actually my, my life can make a difference in that I can leave a legacy that goes beyond my lifetime. That actually, when I've died, there's, there is still impact echoing through the years because of how I tried to steward my inheritance, how I look to have genuine concern for people and live out my calling, the things that Jesus was asking me to do. Um, and that's how we do it. You know, we leave a legacy by loving, walking with, serving together, pouring into, encouraging the people that God's got us connected with. And you never know. You just don't know. Actually, the impact that a conversation you have with someone right now might have further down the line. Because, like I said, I don't think when Paul and Timothy met, there was this divine, I found my Paul, I found my Timothy. I just think they were intentional about building relationship and following Jesus together. And look, look what happened. And, you know, where we still learn from that, you know, thousands of years later. So here's my encouragement. Listen, you and I, um, we are not going to finish our kingdom assignment on our own. And we, say, we talk about it a lot. We say it a lot. We are not going to get there without one another, right? For me to reach all the fullness of Jesus requires me um, to be connected and running with people. I'm not going to get there on my own, but I, I have got an important job to do, right? I have a race that I need to be committed to run, um, but I, I need other people cheering me on and I need to be committed to encouraging, empowering and running with other people so that they run and finish their race really well. So here's my question to us. Who has God got us connected to? You know, actually, have I, am I connected to them with deep concern? You know, am I looking to their interests and what Jesus is saying? Or am I more concerned with what I need and what I need and my interests in relationship? Who are the people who right now you need to be family to? Who are the people right now you need to get to work with? Who are the people right now that you need to be fighting for maybe in prayer like my friend Stacy did? Because it's, it is an absolute game changer. Ordinary people like you and I, faithfully saying yes to Jesus, it brings us into, it pulls us into the extraordinary story that God is writing on the earth today. So when the ordinary of my life is connected to the ordinary of your life, incredible things happen. And it, and it makes a difference in the here and now, but I believe it leaves a legacy and it ripples through the years um, to see this beautiful kingdom extended, to see the church become stronger and to see the goodness and the glory of God known amongst people. So don't belittle or diminish the ordinary of your life, you know, the beginnings of relationships. Your faithful yesterday makes a profound difference, not just for your tomorrow, but for other people's tomorrow as well.
So to that end, um, let's finish. Let's, let's pray with and for one another. Jesus, we thank you um, that when you call us and that you save us, you save us into family. Thank you that, um, that my race is run in the context of other people running their race, that we get to do this together. And so I pray that you would help us. Father, I pray for those who feel isolated um, and on their own. Jesus, would you, would you provide what they need? People um, to be family with them, to be workers with them, to be soldiers who are going to fight the good fight of faith with them and for them. And Father, would you show us, like, what does that look like? Father, who have you connected me to? Who do I need to um, be encouraging? Who do I need to be pouring into? Who do I need to be giving of myself to? Father, we want to be generous with what you've given us, and we want to be open um, to be encouraged for other people to speak in. So, Father, I just pray for us as, as church families in Manchester, in Leicester, um, Father, that the ordinary of our lives will be connected together and built together into an extraordinary temple. Actually, that we would be part of the incredible and beautiful story that you're writing on the earth today. So, Father, we want to take our place and we want to do that together. So whatever that looks like, wherever there's adjustment, healing, change, intentionality, whatever that looks like, Holy Spirit, we want to go on that journey with you and we want to be built together and run together. And we thank you that there is so much grace in that journey. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Bless you. So listen, let me encourage you this week. What does that look like? You know, let's not just hear about some stuff. Let's actually do it. Let's put it into practice. Who maybe can you reach out to this week um, to encourage, to say you're praying for them? Like, what does that look like? Um, ask Holy Spirit. Um, and let's be going about that this week. Um, but otherwise, we're going to finish on a bless you. Have a really amazing week. Don't forget our Lent journey starts on Wednesday. I really encourage you and um, jump in with us. We're going to be kind of journeying in the word and in prayer and in, you know, activating and kind of getting out there and, and praying it and doing this stuff. So um, all the details are available um, on the website and on social media. So jump in, join us. That starts on Wednesday. Otherwise, God bless you. Have an amazing week and we'll see you all really soon.